Hi there, and welcome to the latest edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is brought to you by fans for fans, where the content is absolutely free. Uh, it is a bonus episode of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast. We've had a few technical issues tonight, to even to the extent that I don't have a script. So I am literally making this up as I go along. Uh, I'm joined by Stuart Weir. Uh, well, as I said, we're live tonight. It's a Friday night. We're going to have a wee look at some of the stuff this week. Obviously, it was uh, the, the, the memorial for Walter Smith today. We'll have a wee look at that. Big announcement this week with the, the appointment of Giovanni Van Bronckhurst into the in, in manager's job at Rangers. We'll have a wee look at that. And obviously, we've got the game on Sunday. We'll have a wee sort of discussion about those things as well. Uh, O'Brien, I'm a guest now, Stuart. Uh, so tell me, do you, do you enjoy working with absolute rank amateurs when it comes to IT? <laughs> I, I thought for a moment there we were touching upon red to red, green to green, blue to bits. Um, you know, it was uh, it was interesting just listening to the chat in the background of when when things were being tried and tested and not really working, but we're here now. We're here now. We got there then. To, to give uh, viewers and listeners a wee insight, those that use the the the, the GearsNet forums will probably be aware that they've been down today. There was a server update, which is you know not not ideal, but it is what it is. However, that's where the instructions that tell me how to set everything up <laughs> are held. <laughs> so just before we went live, I went onto the forums to try and get the instructions and they weren't there. So uh, we were in a bit of trouble, but we've got there eventually. We're, we're in uh, and we'll get the show underway, Stuart. <laughs> uh, before we get into the sort of the, the football stuff, it feels poignant and, and, and relevant to talk about the, the memorial today for Walter Smith. You know, a, a whole host of, of, of big names turning up uh, at Glasgow Cathedral today. I didn't watch the whole service, but, you know, I had a, I had a wee flick, sort of flick through it and watched sort of the main speakers and what they had to say. And it, I thought his son, I have to say, I thought his son spoke very, very well. Mm-hmm. Some of the stories that he told had me sort of chuckling. Particularly liked the story about his grandsons that they were playing in a game. They were four man up. At half time and it finished four three, <laughs> and 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 Walter Smith's son saying on the car back home, you know Walter Smith was saying to the grandsons, well, you know he's played really well, good result, but second half, you know he should have been a wee bit more disciplined, kept your shape, blah blah blah, and you know and Walter Smith's son says, you know these boys were like five six year old, <laughs> and you want to know something as a dad who's has been standing watching his son for the last ten years playing football, I could kind of relate to that because mm. I can I can sometimes be a wee bit. Uh, a, a wee bit overly critical sometimes when, when you see them not doing what you want to do. As it is, I suppose, you don't mean yeah. anything by it, but I could completely relate to it and it made me chuckle. And some of the stuff, you know, Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson and McCoy were talking about, really, really nice and, and, and a nice way uh, to remember them because, yeah. I, I mean, it has been a sad couple of weeks. Today felt more like a celebration. Yeah, exactly. I, I, and I think a memorial service, that's entirely what it should be. You know, you, you, you have the if you like the the pain and the sadness um, at the funeral service, and you know you have time to compose yourself, and I think as well, you know the the life that Walter led, and over the you know the the, the time scale of it as well, and all the people he worked with, and all the people he came into association with there was never going to be any shortage of material for those who were going to, um, you know, talk about him and those who were going to praise him. And that's exactly what it what it turned out to be. It was, you know, it was in, in praise of Walter Smith um, rather than mourning Walter Smith. And I think that's, that's entirely right. And I think a lot of people, 
we'll we'll feel a bit more contented by that now rather than you know I think we all we're all touched when Walter passed and it and it has been quite I, I wouldn't say painful I think quite we've all been quite tender about it because every now and again it just comes back into your your thoughts about you know even if it's just photographs flashing up on um on on Twitter or Facebook. This week I had a book delivered about Jim McLean and I'd actually written a piece with Walter um, as a tribute to Jim McLean for that book. And it arrived this week um, and I read it. I have to say, you know, I'd, I'd forgotten actually what, what, what it was about <laughs> until I actually read it again. Which, which um, and, and I, But I'd actually listened to the recording or when I, I, I recorded uh, Walter when we were actually speaking, and there's still a hell of a lot of good stories in there that he, he that will never see the light of day because that wasn't <laughs> that was that, that wasn't the deal that we struck. And even though I tried to coax him, um, he, he he did say once or twice, "No, Stuart, I can't do that." And and the second, the last time he, he he said, "Stuart, stop asking," and that's when you know you need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's it's not happening. Yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> Just, just, just back out, Stuart. You're going yeah, too far. But yeah. I thought it was a lovely service, and again, it was a, a fantastic showing um, of affection and love for Walter Smith with, with everybody who turned up. Yeah, that, some of the faces. I mean, it, it, it was, I, I thought it was nice to see, you know, the amount of people that turned up. But there was a couple of names that, that, and faces that I saw. Duncan Ferguson. I was really pleased to see him because mm. I think when he was at Rangers, there was always this feeling that, you know. The, the, they didn't quite hit it off and Duncan Ferguson was a wee bit annoyed because he was sold to Everton and all that kind of thing. So it was nice to see him there. Uh, yeah, it has been sad the last couple of weeks. And as you say, every now and again, it comes back into your mind. Oh my God, he's not here anymore. And it was such a, I mean, such a huge part for a lot of people's life. I mean, for me, I mean, I probably got the best of Walter Smith. I was in my sort of late teens and twenties. You know I mean? The perfect age to really appreciate what he'd done for the club and, you know, it, it gave my, as I said in one of the previous shows, uh, shows sorry, <clears throat> it gave my liver and kidneys an absolute hammering. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I'll be, ever, I'll be forever thankful to him for that because You'll great memories. I, I, I did recover. You know what I mean? Uh, but it, uh, great times, especially you know, when you're that age, that certain age, and, and I was that that age in the nineties. You know, sort of as I said, late teens, early twenties. Really, the perfect time to enjoy that. And uh, yeah. Uh, it was, it was nice today, I must, I must admit. I, I, I chuckled a few times at some of the stories, uh, talk stuff. Before we move on, I, I mean, I, I, uh, Ross was on last week with Alex and uh, David Fraser talking about, you know, the, the shock announcement that Stephen Gerrard had suddenly up sticks and, and away. So I don't, I don't want to push on too much on that, but, you know, now there's a bit of time... Uh, sort of pass between them leaving and we've made an, an appointment which we'll come on to you know uh, Geo's through the door now how, how are you viewing that I mean because I'm still uh, I mean I was really disappointed with, with Stephen Gerrard leaving uh, and I'm not I'm not going to go down the road of you know or, or you know he said he loved the club and, and this that and the next thing and he's let us down and blah 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 my real issue with it was and it kind of ties into what he said when he when he was at Villa you know when he was doing his press conference at Villa you know, when I commit to something, I'm all in. You know, and I, I don't think he'd ever not honoured a contract at any point in his career. And I always felt, I mean, I knew Stephen Gerrard would leave at some point. I knew he wasn't here forever. I had a feeling it would be this season. I thought, 
whether he won the league or lost the league this season, that would probably be it for, for Steven Gerrard. But just the way he done it, the swiftness of it, the sort of coolness of it. I, I mean, I, I'm still quite angry at him. In fact, I'm playing that down. I'm seething at him, right? It'll pass. It always does. I always forgive people that I feel I've let the club down. But right now, I'm still quite angry. Uh, so, so, so how are you viewing it? Because I, 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 I kind of see it as I always thought Stephen Gerrard, you know, was a man's word. You know, had a lot of integrity about him, and it's on that front that I kind of feel let down. I feel like mm. he's done a Brendan Rodgers on us, and Brendan Rodgers, in my opinion, is that type of guy. He's a bit slippery, a bit out from himself. I didn't, I didn't see Stephen Gerrard in the same mould, and I think that's what's disappointed me in this whole thing. I think having covered football for so long and watched as much football and, you know, had to have seen football and how it operates close up and know the backstory to a lot of things. The one thing that you do understand quite quickly is a bit of a disappointment to you because you think, you know, you look at, look at football sometimes through rose-coloured spectacles, but guy, people in football are just mercenary. Yeah. So, so I never saw Stephen Gerrard hanging around, you know, Glasgow and trying to get his gold watch after twenty-five years service. I, I, I didn't think that would ever be the case. The, the, the other thing is, um, he has he had a bit of weighing up to do here. You know, he, he could have stayed at Rangers and been and continued the success. How do you then measure that success? Well, you win titles in Scotland, great. But I think ultimately you'd have to do something in European football to be recognised. I think the fact, I don't think anybody saw Aston Villa sacking their manager the way they did do. Therefore, when the Newcastle job passed, I think a lot of people, um, I think a lot of people had said there that um, the that was that was it. You know, Stephen Gerrard, the rumours and the speculation. Stephen Gerrard wasn't going anywhere, and all of a sudden, Aston Villa sacked Dean Smith, and there's another vacancy. You know, the, the whole debate about the size of Villa. Villa are a, they're an absolute huge club. They're, in fact, they're almost like it's almost like comparable with Rangers. The difference, the only difference being that they play in a league where. You you get you know anything upward of about eighty or ninety million quid for playing in that league per season, whereas Rangers just don't get that. But in terms of the whole infrastructure of the club, the support, um, you know, Villa Park. You know, if you've ever been to Villa Park, there is not too much of a difference. You know, if, if somebody took you into the middle of the pitch, other than the colours around the stadium, you could almost identify it as being Ibrox. So, um, I. I think this was an opportunity for Steven Gerrard. The other thing is that I, I took into account was at the end of this season, and people would say Rangers would never sack Steven Gerrard. But if Steven Gerrard was still the manager and Rangers missed out in the Champions League, given what you know what the attraction is this year, which is instant qualification for the Champions League and guaranteed 30 odd million quid, if he didn't manage to deliver that this season, what did Rangers do with him? People say, oh, they wouldn't sack him. Steven Gerrard, to be absolutely blunt, wasn't hanging around to find out what that decision might be. He had an opportunity to go elsewhere and he took it. And as I say, disappointed. Yeah, I think the the how it all came about, the fact he took his entire backroom team, well, I think that's the way things work in football these days. The one thing I will say, and you know, people could argue against 
against it and and say no, uh, that's not that's not the case. I fail to see how Aston Villa sack a manager on a Sunday afternoon and have Steven Gerrard in place by a Thursday yeah. morning. That you know that that just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in in football. Um, you know, and I've been in contact with football long enough to know that unless there is somebody, unless there is something in place, and I do wonder if it was Steven Gerrard was in place before Aston Villa get rid of Dean Smith. Um, that's what it smacks of. And, you know, you can call that tap up and all the rest of it. Listen, we are where we are, to use that well-known phrase. And if I'm absolutely honest, I think I'm in a slightly happier or more content place now with Giovanni Van Bronckhorst in place than this, you know, a week ago when you were still speculating about who it might be and some of the names that were being speculated about, honestly, I, I would have either drug tested or breathalyzed some of the people that are throwing some of the names into the, into the ring, you know, rather than throwing their hat in, they should be throwing the people out um, <laughs> because Rangers were never going to get down the road one or two people that were being quoted and I think, I think even I think Rangers, okay, it was a shock to them, but I think they knew very, very quickly where to target the the, the next manager and how to find their next manager. On that, you know, you were sort of saying there. I, I mean, what you were saying there, I totally agree with. Uh, I don't think I don't think it's just football that doesn't happen, and I don't think that happens in any industry. I don't think someone loses a job one day and the replacement is in the door like three, four days later. That is. No, I don't. I don't think that happens unless there has been discussions beforehand. So I agree. And on that, so on that point, and given you know, given the issues that Celtic had with, with Eddie Howe, you know that rumbled on for a long, long time, and how quick Rangers have been in comparison. And I have to say, even that wasn't enough for some supporters on Twitter. No, you know, like, no. like three days in, they're going, "What's happening?" But you know, like, guys, calm down. You know what I mean? The club's on the bit of back foot here, but the fact that this whole process about getting Van Bronckhorst on the door has been relatively seamless. You know, it seems to have been a, a very well uh, organised and well executed sort of campaign. Do you maybe get this, this suspic- suspicion that Rangers themselves were aware that something was in the fire with Steven Gerrard and maybe uh, had already put feelers out there to sort of gauge, you know, who was available and, and, and willing to take the job? I think, I think, there was always an element of that, Colin. I think since Rangers won the title last summer, I think in the background there has been a, a plan B, simply because Steven Gerrard's stock rose so much. You'd always, everything that happened with European competitions, and then you had him winning the title. You know, and as I tweeted last week, the more people saying, oh, he only won one out of nine trophies, but what a trophy he won. Yeah. If you you know, it was like if you were going to go all in and win in one pot, that was the one to win. Um, and I think maybe Rangers were doing a bit of you know a bit of homework and a bit of intelligence on who where they might go. The other thing was that you know Rangers are are in a position where the manager's job at Rangers is suddenly a hell of an attractive, you know, and you're suddenly shopping and, you know, in, a, in a, an entirely different marketplace to where you were a couple of years back, you yeah. know, 
Warburton left, Kashina left. I mean, where were Rangers back then? You know, you had, um, you know, Graham Murphy was almost like um, caretaker general. And mm. and it was you know and, and there are some people mistaking him as the actual manager at times, simply because he was so often in in situ and post yeah yeah, yeah. And, and so all of a sudden you're, you're able you're then able to go and attract um, managers who have a bit of a, a presence about them and I mean several commentators are, I think I'm just doing it through spite and ignorance more than anything else but I'm surprised that there are certain elements of the Rangers report who have said Giovanni Van Bronckhorst as in Stephen Gerrard they're absolutely correct but then again you've had three years to get used to Stephen Gerrard and if you were playing top trumps just now and you know your football I think you'll find that Giovanni Van Bronckhorst probably tops everything that Steven Gerrard has done career-wise. Yeah. Um, in terms of the, the competitions he's won, in terms of you know international football, the, the finals that he's played in, um, you know, domestic titles that he's won in in Scotland, um, and in uh, and in England and in Spain, a Champions League, you know, medal as well. I think I think people have looked at it as, and you know that Stephen Gerrard is some godlike figure, and indeed it's difficult to argue against that. No, you can't. But that, no. but that is that is completely dismissing everything that Giovanni Van Bronckhorst has done um, yeah. during his career as well. And I, he's not as demonstrative as as other people who are taking the role. Um, yeah, and you know that I mean people, you know would have been in the press before they'd taken the manager's job saying, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, it's going to be great under me, and then the, then Rangers would have made the announcement. Giovanni Van Bronckhorst isn't that kind of guy. He's actually quite quiet, considered, unassuming, but he's the kind of guy who also knows what he's capable of. When he, when he first signed for Rangers back in 1998, maybe, I, I, I mean, and I, I've told the story before, didn't actually realise how good a player or how big a player he was until I went pre-season training um, to Holland with Celtic and all the sports shops were, had the, the, okay, Nike were the sponsors of the Dutch national team, but he had all the, the guys that wore Nike boots and Van Bronckhorst wore Adidas boots and the, 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 they had five players, uh, Dutch players, were their kind of advertising campaign for that. And he was one of the five. Mm-hmm. And you suddenly realise that in that Dutch squad, out of all of that Dutch squad, Van Bronckhorst was considered one of the, the first team players, but it was considered big enough and talented enough and maybe young enough to be one of the, the faces of Adidas. And when he came to, you know, came to Rangers, he he did, you know, age-old phrase. Um, he did all of his talking on the park. When you spoke to him, you, you, you were never going to get a sensational headline out of him, not in a month of Sundays, but he would educate you and, and, and give you a really good take on how he saw football, how he saw Rangers playing, how he saw the bigger picture. Um, I, I wouldn't have said, oh, he's instantaneously going to turn into a, a fantastic coach or a fantastic manager, but he he did a lot of thinking about football and and ultimately did all of his talking when the ball was at his feet and you only need to go 
back and if he went into YouTube to see, you know, what he was what he was about. Oh, um, I can remember what he was about. I was there at the know, time. Ships. I know. I, I, I mean, brilliant player, a, a, a fantastic player. You know, and you, you go and you look at the kind of relationship he had in that team with uh, a young and upcoming. Barry Ferguson as well. Barry Ferguson, I don't think his career went into, into a stall because he was playing next to Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. So again, he's 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 part of the Rangers furniture, so to speak, and at a time when Rangers were a, a damn good team. I mean, in, in terms of when Van Bronckhorst was there, I'd, I would still argue that that midfield at the time, you know, you had uh, Ferguson, Van Bronckhorst, Alberts, and Reina, and you also had two guys coming in and out every now and again. Mm-hmm. I, I, I struggle to think I've seen a better midfield than that. I, I mean, it was a, a proper, proper midfield. Uh, and you're also, I mean, it, sorry, just, just on that, you're also talking about guys there with Alberts and Van Bronckhorst who would be quite content. And, and again, I go back to, oh, Steven Gerrard would just bang one in for 25 yards. Remember, Alberts and Van Bronckhorst as well could just bang one in, yeah. you know, from, from distance as well. These guys could score goals and score important goals. And again, we're maybe guilty of putting on the glasses and saying, you know, wasn't it great back then? But but, but it but, was. But, <laughs> but it was, and, and he and he was a he was a he was a player who was well yeah. respected in Europe as well. Yeah. And I mean I mean that shown with the career he we want to have, you know, he moved to Arsenal and and then uh, Barcelona. Uh, in terms of Ross Wilson's involvement in all this, I, I mean, it seems that, I mean, very early on, it seemed that Van Bronckhurst was a sort of front runner and all this. Uh, and, you know, there was stories coming out pretty much every day of, uh, the, you know, the process of, you know, Rangers are speaking to this candidate, that candidate, blah, blah, blah. But the, the whole time, all the way through it, it felt like, Van Bronckhurst was the, the one that the club wanted. That was that was our first choice. Yeah, and, and so to get that over the line and to, to get it over the line so quickly, and, and having a look at some of the, the backroom staff that are coming in. I mean, Roy McKay immediately stands <laughs> out. You know, I mean that's that's another top, top name. I mean, in terms of Ross Wilson's involvement in this, I mean, I suppose this is when he's he's supposed to earn his keep, so to speak. You know, that's yeah, that succession planning. Stephen Gerrard, big name. And we have to we have to give him credit. And as I said, I'll, the way it's ended with Stephen Gerrard will pass. I'll, I'll I'll end up loving the guy again. But right now, it's hurt me too much, Stuart. I'm just I'm I'm not ready yet, right? So it's but that will come. But as you say, Rangers had to prepare for when Stephen Gerrard went, and the, the fact that it's went so seamlessly, and and it, it, it would appear that they've got the the man that they were after. Yeah, first time. That sure, first time. First Surely time, that ref- right. that reflects well on on Ross Wilson because Ross Wilson's a- interview, Colin, when he when he was interviewed, I think Ross Wilson's interview was telling not because of what he said, but because there was a smile kept coming over his face, yeah, and it was almost like give this guy a lemon to suck upon because he knows he's done a good job here, yeah, and right. it was and it was almost as if the component parts of Okay, Steven Gerrard's gone. He's taking all his backroom staff with him. Who can we turn to? Now, I don't know, I don't know who Ross Wilson took counsel from. You tend to find that it's not a, a a decision that's made by one person. If it is made by one person, they tend to go around the houses and, and discuss with certain people what's the um, you know, 
what's the lie of the land with this guy? You know, if he comes and he brings such and such with him, is there any baggage there? What are they like as a as a partnership and all the rest of it? And Ross Wilson, for somebody who, how can I put it, could have been fried this week just under the sheer nervousness and tension of coming up with a new manager. He looked supremely content. And and I think from from his demeanour, you have to accept that Rangers have got the guy that they set out to get as a replacement for Gerard, and he delivered them. And now it's a case of okay, I've given you the opportunity, you take it. I, I thought on that interview, I thought he spoke very well. Now he did. I mean Ross Wilson's name is I mean, obviously the club are after him for a while, and there's all this whole this image that surrounds him about, you know, he's this guy that does this and does that. But I, I think it can be very difficult for supporters to see the tangible difference that he makes. Whereas on this occasion, you have seen it. You know, you mm. have seen exactly what his role was during this this whole process. Uh, and it would appear that he's, he's done a, a superb job, you know. And, and as, yeah, as I said, I, I, thought, I, thought he spoke, I thought he spoke very well in that interview. Certainly gave me a lot of confidence and, and, and gave me a lot of confidence in the decision making process and, and, and the club going forward. So yeah, I, th- I think he absolutely but quite uh, often Colin, he doesn't have a story to tell because yeah. because he's doing he's doing a job that a lot of the time it looks like a, 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 a really good gig, but a lot of the time it's quite it's quite unglamorous. Yeah. It really is. It's 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 hard graft and putting the sort of building blocks in place. For you to come up with what you what what you need either on the pitch or off the pitch or in terms of you know the the personnel that you're going to recruit and when you're going to recruit them as well and mm-hmm. I think ultimately you know he he's he's done a he's, he's done a, a good job if if uh, you know if it goes horribly wrong people will point the finger at him and say yeah. you should have gone for this guy or that guy or the next guy but would Rangers have got anybody who's any better at this point in time? Not in the marketplace that Rangers are shopping just now. So therefore, I think it's job done. Yeah. On a like Sunday, I mean, Gio, I believe he's in the country now. I've seen some stuff on social media today that appeared to suggest he was coming into the country, getting off a private plane. Uh, I'm assuming he'll bet the game on Sunday, but he won't be in the dugout. So, you know, Rangers have put a sort of interim arrangement in place with a, a, a bigger cast than, than Love, actually. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the names just, when Ross Wilson was in that interview, the names just kept coming and coming and coming. The only one I can really, the only two I can remember is Colin Stewart and uh, Jermaine Defoe. So, I mean, uh, we're still in that sort of interim arrangement, even although we've got a, 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 the new man's in place, he's not in post, he's not, he's not, he's not officially started. Big game, semi-final, big opportunity to win... Mm or to, to get to a final and win our, our sort of first domestic trophy since 2011. Do you see this having an impact? You know, we'll have look at this and think, well, that's a club. Not in disarray, but in a transitional period, there might be an opportunity to get us. And my, I was, I was thinking of semi-finals against Hibs today, and I can't think of one that Rangers won in my lifetime. <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember the one sort of 91, and it was it Mickey Weir that scored. Uh, put, put, put Rangers out the, the League Cup final and then I was I remember one, going back to early early 70s and Rangers lost a semi-final yeah. to Hibs to, to as well I remember the one um, I remember what it'd be 85 2 nothing down after the first leg David Cooper's Cooper, Cooper and, yeah, yeah. and a free kick 
and and Rangers still missed out in that one. So no, you're, you're absolutely bang on there, Colin. And and I, there's a bit of me. I was wondering where Rangers would have gone in terms of a manager if Van Bronckhorst hadn't been in place and Rangers had gone out with Jermaine Defoe um, as their manager and beaten him 7-0 on Sunday. Where do I think our thought process would have, where that might have taken them? It could have, um, could have, could have gave Ross Wilson a bit of a problem to think about it. It, it. it could have given him, but um, I think I think Rangers, the players are going to, the players are going to approach this in one of two ways. They're either going to feel sorry for themselves and then anything can happen, especially a house victory, or they're going to take what has happened in the last week, two weeks, and it will galvanise them. And they, you know, I'm hopeful that they would do it as a team and actually say, let's show people what we can do as a team. Okay, Stephen Gerrard was a manager who put us together. Um, and Gary McAllister was there as his number two and, you know, other people working behind the scenes. But we're a decent team. Let's get a performance on and show people that we're still a decent team here and and give, you know, and give the incoming manager a bit of confidence. Not that he's having to pick a team up off the floor, but actually he's having to maybe pull them back near a wee bit to, to earth. Um, and and not get you know ahead of themselves or above themselves. I think it's going to be very very interesting to see how Rangers approach that. And to be absolutely honest, I think you'll know within about five minutes, ten minutes of the kickoff how how Rangers have approached this. Hibs will fancy their chances strongly now against Rangers. Um, they'll see them as a team in sort of slight disarray. But I think this is all down to you know what Rangers do, and there's one or two in that team. You know, I think I think now in this game, this is the likes or the type of game where the likes of your um, McGregor's and yeah. your Steve Davis, Steve Davis, yeah, and these kind of guys, you're the guys that have been at Ibrox for all these years. You're the guys that hundred caps. You're the leaders on the pitch. You know, start start showing your leadership on the pitch. You know, if that means shouting at your captain and telling him to do something, do it. But but Rangers need a performance out of these guys this weekend. Yeah, it, it, it feels kind of strange because you get a sense of what's going to happen on a Sunday in terms of team selection and all that kind of stuff based on the, the Friday press conference. You know what I mean? Based on the manager coming out and answering a few questions. It always gives you a wee feel for how the, the squad's four, looking. Before starting is a bit of a shock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the manager. Aye. I'm backing myself. I have this... And this mental image, you remember, <laughs> remember the film Kez with, yeah, um, yeah. you know, the old headmaster teacher, <laughs> Brian, Brian Glover picking up the ball, and it's the, the slightly balding Bobby Charlton going to take the kick off. I've this, I've this mental image of Jermaine Defoe doing some of the same, like that. That I and basically saying, I'm wearing a number nine shirt, you, you, and you're over the bench, <laughs> just watch me go. Right, Morelos might be in for a shock on Sunday, but it does it, it, it does kind of feel like not that we're going into it blind, but certainly not with the same information that we would normally have at this stage. You know, as I say, you've normally had the press conference, you've normally had a, 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 with the manager or, or Gary uh, Gary McAllister. At least one player comes out and does a wee chat as well, and, and it, it just gives you that wee bit of information to give you a wee thought of right, okay, that's how the team might look. Whereas the now, I'm thinking. 
where are Rangers going to go with us? You know, where, where are these guys going to go with us? Just touching on that, what you what you said earlier on there about you know about Roy Mackay um, suddenly being at Ibrox. Now, if you have strikers, young strikers, experienced strikers, or any any strikers you can name, but especially one by the name of Morelos, if he doesn't learn, you know, something new within the first month. <laughs> Or, or thereabouts from Mackay and what he would tell him, then, um, well, when he, when he probably can't be taught, and secondly, um, you, you, you wonder if he, what his long term status is then at Rangers, because I would think, you know, that, that must be inspirational for anybody who plays football yeah. to suddenly find themselves getting one to one coaching from somebody like him, somebody like Mackay. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I mean, that is such a, a great opportunity for people to learn from somebody who's done it at the highest level. I know, I know, he kicked about Spain for it, you know, a couple of se- well, several seasons, but next thing he's leading the line for Bayern Munich. Nobody leads a line for Bayern Munich unless you are absolute quality. Yeah, I, I mean, you can go over the last 20, 25 years. Well, and, but, but Alan McAnally, there was that one year that they. <laughs> I, I I I think you'll find I think you'll find <laughs> big Rambo wasn't it? Was no bad, no bad player with Bayern Munich at the time. Um, but I mean the thing is, you know, you look at it now. Okay, you've got um, uh, you know, the Lewandowski up front. You know, you've you've had Mandzukic, you've had um, you know, Mackay playing up front. You had Noah. Well, yeah, but you're a whole a whole bunch of them, um, and the you know, the start of the or sort of uh, late nineties as well, who were all like world class strikers, yeah. and and I think you know I think that in itself for me, I think that is quite exciting that that Rangers have suddenly get somebody like that to call upon. Yeah, on Roy Roy McKay, I know his brother, joke. And, and, and I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm being serious here. <laughs> I know a guy called John Mackay, and he gets called Joe Mackay, right? And he played for Aloha. And he played for Aloha the day. Do you remember Rangers beat them? Was it six nothing? McCoy's got a hat trick. And well, Jim Butler. Yeah, and he, and he, he conceded six, but he, you know he, he stopped him getting a real hammer in that day. Well, John was on. I think he was on the bench that day, John. And uh, he was telling me after it. Uh, he got on for like the last half hour or something like that. He came on and he played, and, uh, you know, the only time he ever played at a ground like Ibrox. So he tried to take as much as he in. He says, and he got on the bus, right? And they're all going home. And all the players start opening their bags and saying, Oh, I got Ali's. Oh, I got Mikhail Achenko's. Oh, I got David Robertson's. The door swapped jerseys. And John was like, Ah, ah shit. <laughs> 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 but he'd forgot. He just, the minute the final whistle went, Straight up the pitch, you know what I mean? Shoot cans, never swapped jerseys. He's like, I couldn't believe it. He says, they're all bringing out their jerseys and Joe was only one, not a jersey. So there we go. A wee personal story there. Uh, but, but before we wrap up for the night, uh, Stuart, I thought it would be good to sort of look at the managerial landscape in terms of the old firm at the moment because, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was Stephen Gerrard, been here for a couple of years, established, had kind of, you know, he was the longest serving manager, I think, before he went. And he, he was the man to beat, you know, after that season, last season, went through the season undefeated. You know, you would have to say that uh, Postagoglu was up against it a wee bit coming in here. New guy, 
it's now two new managers, you know, two guys coming into the job, completely new. I, I would I would argue that there's a big opportunity for both of them coming up. If both Celtic and Rangers win these semi-finals and get to the final, then there's a, a, a final coming up where both will be looking to sort of put down that marker. So all of a sudden, it, the whole thing's changed, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I also think that, you know, I asked one or two guys, Australian guys, um, play, uh, uh, ex-players, um, about uh, Postacoglu and, and, and to a man, they all said, ah, he's good, he's the real deal. You know, because because he's 14,000 miles away on the other side of the world and you've never heard of him, doesn't he mean yeah. to say, can he do a job? And, and, and you know, the word I got back was, uh, he's more than capable. I think, I think both he and Giovanni van Bronckhorst almost fall into the same sort of category. That I think both are very confident in what they can do themselves. They don't have to be told how good they are. Mm-hmm. They don't. Um, they don't need people praising them because I think. I think they set the benchmark themselves. Therefore, they'll they'll gauge and judge themselves on what what they achieve rather than people telling them, oh, you've done really, really well here. I think the two of them look at it and say, well, this needs to improve or we need to do something better. I think it's the first time that I can can think of where you've also got two managers that you just know that they're almost like going to concentrate on the football rather than turning an old firm game into some kind of holy war. <laughs> you know, it's 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 almost as if football will actually take the, the kind of focus and same, take priority. Stage. It, it is almost, well, to, to my mind it is. I may, I may be wholly wrong here, but it's almost like these guys will concentrate on doing what they they think they should be doing as managers and not be dictated to or influenced from outside forces. And that in itself, there's a lot at stake in these two semi-finals. There'll be a lot at stake in the first old firm game, whatever that might be or whenever that might be. But I think you're going to see maybe a, a different style of, of management. As I said earlier on, when you interviewed or get a chance to interview Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, it was always about how he saw the game and and the, the, the kind of bigger picture of how matches might unfold and what targets were and all the rest of it. There wasn't anything about, oh, they did this to us the last time, therefore we're looking for revenge or, or we're yeah. need to, or, or, or bigging up anybody or bigging up anybody or whatever it was. It was always quite a, 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 a I wouldn't say cold, but it was, it was pretty tepid. And as much as you weren't, you weren't going to get anything exciting out of him. I mean, he could have a laugh and a joke with you, and he was perfectly reasonable, perfectly nice. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he how he conducts himself now that he's actually a, a manager. You know, twenty five years after he was a player. But I think I think it could be interesting the next um, just to watch these two managers now going toe to toe or going head to head because ultimately they are and they will be, but they've got a completely different attitude I think to to what has gone before. Yeah, it does. I mean it's it's a, it's a new era and 
not just for us. It's 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 slightly unusual that it's not very often that you get the two clubs making managerial changes so close. Mm-hmm. You know, there's normally a, a bit of gap in between them. So yeah, it does. It feels like both clubs are at the, are at the start of something. And I'm still quite confident. I think Rangers have got the better squad. I think if Van Bronckhorst can get the best out of them, then I think he's in a in a, in a good position. But yeah, it no, does also, feel like the- just on, just on that again, not to cut across you, but on that, I think is a, I touched upon uh, Mackay and what he might do behind this the scenes. I think it's going to be interesting just to find or or to look at uh, how Van Bronckhorst might use his connections on the continent, but especially in Holland, in terms of the players and in terms of scouting players there. Yeah, recruitment. The recruitment side, I mean, you know, everybody went, oh, Dick Advocates are Dutch managers, therefore they'll sign Dutch players. But the quality of the Dutch players that he did sign were, were, were on the whole, pretty damn good. And yeah. if, if Van Bronckhorst has got the same eye for talent or, you know, the, the Dutch Dutch league is uh, you would have to say is better than the SPFL, but it's not a wash with money, and you know, and players are there to be bought and sold just like they are anywhere else. Problem is that it's a it's a bit like um, you know the biggest the biggest store in town. Everybody shops in the Dutch league for yeah. for talent. You only, you only look at the Dutch players that are playing, you know, in Germany, the ones that are playing in, you know, Spain and Italy and England and the likes, to know that there's a lot of people who are paying attention. But you're just, you're just hoping that Van Bronckhorst might be able to, to unearth some, some talent. And the other thing is, there might be a lot of coaches or there might be some coaches there who are either sympathetic to him or know that if they've got a good young player, then it's not a risk to let them go with Giovanni Van Brockhorst to the Rangers. And on that, Stuart, I think we'll we'll, we'll wrap things up there. A uh, big thanks to Stuart for his contribution and for, for putting up with the, the rank <laughs> amateurish well, now, start well, to proceedings. We'll now go and deliver our milk tray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... It's always it's always a reminder of just how amateur things can be in this short time, to be honest with you. But uh, we got there, Stuart. We got there. We did. We did totally be. professional to the end. Uh, we'll have a show on Sunday night, we'll, and we'll also try and get some uh, sort of immediate post-match stuff out on Sunday. We, we tried it a couple of weeks ago there, and it seemed to go down quite well. So we'll try and get that out on Sunday after the game, and we'll also have the show on Sunday night uh, at half nine. I'm hosting, and in true amateur style, I can't remember who is on with me. So <laughs> I'll, I'll be here on Sunday, that, I suppose. I'll, that's all you need to know for now. Uh, guys, tonight's show, I don't think that'll be available in all of the usual platforms tomorrow. It might be out on Sunday. Uh, the, the, the situation that we have at the moment continues. So I'll probably be out again on Sunday. Just keep an eye out for that. Uh, and until Sunday night, uh, 